Welcome to Christ Church Pops, a podcast of Christ Church Parish in Pensacola, Florida. Here we'll be sharing the preaching of the parish, both recent and from the past, as well as conversations with the people of the parish. So let's go. So we're going to do something a little bit different for Pops, for our podcast for the next couple weeks. During the season of Lent, Christ Church challenges its people to join a small group. And it's grown over the last couple of years. This year we have like 240 people who have signed up to be a part of the small groups. And every week there's a different focus under one overarching theme. And also every year, our wonderful Reverend Katie develops and writes the curriculum that everybody uses. So what we're going to do for POPs is we're going to have conversations that go along with those themes. And for the rest of them, we're going to have one of the retired clergy people in our church join us so we can gain their wisdom and their humor as well. Uh, But today you're stuck with just Katie and I because nobody wanted to do the first one. (laughs) We're adding in a different pop of priests of the parish for these conversations. Oh, that's fantastic. So now we have the people of the parish, the preaching of the parish, and then I jokingly say friends of the parish if you spell it with a PH. Or partners. Partners, that's better. And now we have priests of the parish. I love that. Now, Katie, tell us about the overarching theme. All right. So each year we enter into the season of Lent, and it's a time in which we are able to reflect on ourselves, um, look and see how we are in our faith journey, and to spend more time drawing near to God. So that's part of why at Christ Church we invite people to take on a spiritual discipline. And small groups help facilitate that with a component of prayer, scripture study, and then also fellowship and discussion as we grow in our faith together. So this year, we are talking about the abundant life. Um, You may remember this from John 10.10, when Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, So throughout these six to seven weeks, we are looking at what is abundance, um, how we see abundance in God, um, how we learn about God's abundance, and what we experience in life and how we can live into the abundant life that God calls us to. Did you do this because my favorite verse is John 10.10? Honestly, no. Okay, because it is my favorite verse. I quote it all the time. Yes. um, Because I love this idea that there's two different paths. There's a thief who comes to steal from you. But then it's God's desire that we have life and have it abundantly. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about not only this passage, but mainly we're talking about the idea of abundance. Uh, what it means for that God wants us to have an abundant life. So we're going to go jump right into the first week. Um, the first week focuses on the story of the first miracle of the Jesus when he turns water into wine at the uh, wedding in Cana of Galilee. So, Katie, tell us a bit more about what we're doing here. Yeah, so each year when we do these studies, particularly in Lent, we tend to focus on the New Testament um, or a particular book of the Bible. Uh, This year we're going to be covering all four Gospels. So we're kind of going through Jesus' life, hence why this first week we're starting with his first miracle, Wedding in Cana in Galilee. Now, normally when small groups get together, they begin with some prayer, uh, then they have just an icebreaker question. It's an opportunity to to get to know each other a little better um, that deals with the theme of the week. And then they dig into scripture. Uh, There's a little teaching component, and then there's discussion questions. And they're welcome to to branch off of those and have their own discussion as the Spirit moves them um, throughout that time. 
And so ideally it's about an hour. Of course, for our podcast, we are not doing an hour-long conversation. Uh, but we Yes, will... it'll be four hours instead. <laughs> exactly, no. no. It'll be 30 minutes. <laughs> yes, we're going to keep it to our normal length format. Uh, so we're going to do an abbreviated version and really just uh, have a discussion based on the scripture passage point for the week. So I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but I'll retell it because I always love doing that, retelling the story. Jesus goes with his mom to a wedding. And while they're there, an amazing, terrible faux pas happens. They run out of wine. And there's this wonderful thing where Jesus' mom comes up to her, Jesus and says, they have no wine. And then Jesus, who is not ready yet to take on his ministry, he's not ready to bring a lot of attention to himself, that's all coming later, he says, woman, I like they start that, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. And then my favorite part of the story is that Mary doesn't, argue with him she just assumes that he will be obedient and then he looks at the servants and does says do whatever he says and then walks away and then so jesus goes up there are six uh jars there that are there for this rite of purification and he turns the water into wine and then the story ends with this wonderful thing where the steward and the bridegroom are having a discussion because normally if you're ever going to serve wine you would serve the good stuff first and then, because that way, if somebody has a couple drinks, they won't notice as much if the other stuff is not quite as good. But in this time, not only did he provide wine, he provided incredibly good wine there at the end. Is there anything of the actual story other you want to point out? Uh, well, if we're ready to jump in, I think there's some, some interesting points in here. Um, so we'll, Jump right in. Yeah, for me, what captures my attention is this quantity. Uh, so... We hear in, uh, so this is all coming out of John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And in verse 6, um, after Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you, uh, we hear that now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus tells the servants to fill the jars with water, and so they fill them up to the brim. Uh, so doing a little math here as a, a former math major, uh, we have about 20, 30 gallons each, and so we're looking at 120 to 180 gallons of wine, which, if we put more into our, our standards today, that's like a 1,000 bottles of wine. So let's start. Yeah, you're right. That's fascinating, right? So here they are. They've run out of wine. Mm -hmm. And then not only does Jesus address the situation, but he addresses it with abundance. And you could even say abundance in two ways. Yes. One, it's the best wine. Yes, a quality. So quality. And then also quantity, because he didn't just give them a couple extra bottles. He gave them the equivalent of a thousand bottles. I mean, this is a smaller town. There's probably not a thousand people that either. No. Right? So there's probably at least a bottle of wine per person of this very good wine. Oh, yeah. So he responds in a way that's almost comically over what they needed. Yes, it is a, a drastic abundance. But we also have to remember in that time, weddings lasted several days. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So it could be a week long. And so this was a major faux pas that they ran out of wine so soon. Um, so the fact that Jesus does address it, he does address it with such an abundance. Uh, but it's one that we recognize it's, it's going to last more than just a single day. Yeah, and also, you know, we always say this is the first miracle. John likes to point out, he uses the word signs. Yes. Which for John means this is evidence not only of Jesus' power, but the nature of God that we see in Jesus. Yes. So then we make that parallel. Mm -hmm. When God responds to situations, 
He responds not only with the thing that we need, mm -hmm. but in a way that we couldn't imagine and in a quantity we couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. And one of the unique things about this is that we see weddings were, were very common. I mean, in the sense it was feasting and gathering together. And so, yes, we can point to those miracles that Jesus does with, with healings, um, making the blind see and the lame walk as we hear. But in this, it, it's a way that we see God interacting in the ordinariness of life um, with something that we may consider a little mundane with a, a social engagement, but even there, recognizing a need and, and coming in and addressing it with love. But also, yeah, not just mundane, but essential, right? I know we think of wine now as, as an extra on yeah. things. But in that worldview, wine was an essential part of the feast. Yes. If nothing else, because when you couldn't trust the quality of your water, mm -hmm. you always knew that wine was safe to drink because the alcohol killed all the bad stuff. And so if you had traveled a long distance, it wouldn't be unusual for somebody to say, you're thirsty, here's a glass of wine. But it also points to us again that the Bible likes to use everyday metaphors to describe great things, even the idea yes. of this kind of feast. We see that all over, or the use of wine is used all over. Jesus himself will use wine to describe the nature of the new covenant that his blood will do in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. These are everyday things that God, that Jesus is using to give sort of eternal significance. Mm -hmm. well, let's look at a couple of the questions. All right, so which one would you like to start with? I don't know. Katie, you wrote them. You, you tell <laughs> me. You start with the question you want to ask. Let's start with the first one because I think right. it's good. Okay. So think of a time when you saw extravagant generosity and what did it look like? But I'm not going to always go first with the answers, Katie. So you have to go first with the answer. Tell me a time that you have seen extravagant generosity. Oh, boy. Um, so part of this is that I write these questions without thinking about them first. And so <laughs> I try to point people to, to look inside their own lives. Uh, Extravagant generosity. You know, we were thinking this, we're recording this just days after Ash Wednesday. And um, we did a lot of services that day. And each time we go to our school chapels, um, that's an example where I see a lot of extravagant generosity mm -hmm. in a neat way. I was with the, the, what we call the Hilton Green Campus, so our two-year-olds to kindergarten last week and had chapel with them. And we were talking about the extravagant generosity of love. And uh, so I gave them all little heart stickers and the ways that they were coming up with of how they share love to each mm -hmm. other and to their parents and to their teachers. Uh, it was just amazing. and. Um, and so many of them are like, I'm going to write you a Valentine, Reverend Katie. And just the, for me, seeing, you know, three-year-olds uh, share that kind of love uh, that's over and abundant, um, that's a recent example I have of that kind of extravagant generosity. Yeah, so I hate to be so literal when we talk about generosity, but so we just finished raising money for a capital campaign. We're under construction right now. And it was the first time I've ever dealt with numbers that big. Yeah. And it was a really weird thing for me. I was primary person asking people to consider giving. And I was blown away by people's responses. Mm -hmm. 
not that they're giving to me and not even they're giving to the church. They're giving out of a sense of gratitude for what God has given to them. But and it's not even just the big numbers, but there are people in our lives who live very simple lives or on fixed incomes who made very sacrificial gifts. And every time we got one of those, I was humbled by it and humbled by their sort of extravagant generosity. Absolutely. But to use a different example, I was at a basketball game last night for middle school girls and this one girl knocked over this other one. I mean, hit her as hard as she could on a hard foul. It was clearly a foul. And the girl who got hit stood up really quickly and then went over and helped the other girl up, mm-hmm. even though she was the one who had hit her. And I was like, oh, there's a wonderful image of forgiveness and generosity um, in response to somebody being cruel to you. Absolutely. So, what... I like this. The story is full of surprises, mm-hmm. right? So one of the other questions is, what surprises you in this passage? So I talked already about the kind of quantity of wine. I mean, that is just such an over and abundance. Um, I never really thought about what 120 to 180 gallons would look like. And so to talk about it as a thousand bottles of wine, um, it's just... It's, it's baffling, I mean, the, to think about how large that was and how significant that would be for, for this gathering and this family and that just had this moment of crisis. Yeah, and as I kind of mentioned, I've always loved this idea when the mother, when Mary walks up to Jesus and says, you're going to fix this. It also makes me wonder, though, the surprise is it kind of opens the door into their relationship, mm-hmm. which we don't see a lot of in Scripture. And it makes me wonder what the first 30 years of Jesus' life were like, you know. When he was a kid and she ran out of, you know, ran out of butter to make a meal, did she go, Jesus, come <laughs> over here, take care of this. I mean, what examples had she already seen yeah. of Jesus sort of doing these miraculous things in these abundant ways? So the surprise to me is that she had obviously had enough experiences to not only know that he could do it, but that he would do it. Yeah, and to trust in that. And maybe that's the lesson for us, right? Mm-hmm. To, to become, maybe the person we're supposed to associate with the story is Mary. Yeah. I think we think of ourselves as the bridegroom who ran out and needs. Yes. But maybe we're supposed to be like Mary who has experienced and trust enough that we can turn to God and expect that he's going to respond to us with this sort of radical generosity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we probably have time for one more question, Katie. All right. What question do you want? <laughs> Well, um, so throughout these gatherings, I mean, part of what we're doing and what we're inviting you to do as part of listening to this is to really think about what it means to gather in community. Um, So that is one way that we are able to experience God's gift of abundance. Um, It's one way that we both just shared uh, where we saw some extravagant generosity taking place. So the question I ask is, when in your life have you experienced a deepening of faith by gathering in community? And then how does gathering with others help on our faith journey? Yeah, you want me to go first, don't you? I do. (laughs) So, I mean, the easy, I could talk about the nature of the church, right? Both this church and other churches I've been at and how important it is, how I've seen evidence of what the community can do for individuals that show up. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, I always tell people that every time somebody comes in, they make us better. Yes. 
but they can also maybe the person who is needed at a time, but they may be the person who receives at a different time. Mm -hmm. That's the nature of community. But I'm going to use a different example. I'm going to say uh, there was a period of my time, uh, time of my life I took a lot of mission trips. Mm -hmm. And there would be these short times, you know, a week to two week trips. But because of the intensity of the experience, within like day three, a real community is formed. Yeah. And there is a sense that we're all working for the same thing and willing to sacrifice for whatever reason we're doing that, whether it's construction or medicine or I went on veterinary trips or different types of trips. We were bonded behind a common set of values, but almost a common purpose. Hmm. And through that, I saw the generosity by those relationships within it, we were better because we're all together doing this work together. Mm -hmm. All right, Katie, answer your own question. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, absolutely, I agree. We could definitely talk about the church, and and I've seen some incredible things that have happened when people gather together. Uh, but I also feel drawn with these, these small groups. I mean, that's been kind of a joy for me since being here is seeing how these small group ministries have grown over the years. Uh, and one of them is you know, the young adults kind of blossomed out of the Lenten discipline of doing the small group practice. Um, I remember my time in school when we were, we were put in an intentional small group, uh, but those became very much my, my deepest friends and uh, we really were able to lean on each other and grow together. Um, it was an opportunity that we could pray for one another, uh, we would talk about whatever challenges we were facing, and uh, we called ourselves a listening group because that was the whole goal, was to listen to one another and feel heard and feel seen and know that we belong. Um, so that is where I experienced my own deepening of faith, but also I see how, how these kind of small intentional communities help to guide each other in our faith journey. Because um, something I mentioned to everybody who is seeking baptism or confirmation is a reminder that we are not alone on our faith journey. Um, we travel together and it's important that we gather together um, both to worship and also to study and also for times of fellowship and care and community. Yeah, you know, it's very clear to me, both from the Bible and human experience, that we were not meant to walk alone. Yes. Right? It doesn't mean that the relationship look the same. Different people have different ways they find those needs met. But but there is a there's something about the nature of God. Richard War has this theory that 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 the Trinity is inner relationship. Yes. And in the same way that we have inner relationship with other people, we are somehow experiencing the very nature of God. And God's love. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that to be true, right? Like there's so many times that I have felt small and insignificant or unseen or heard. I love the idea of a listening group where the, the whole point of it is to make sure that person feels seen and heard. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow through that, I think we experience the nature of God. Um, so I was thinking, Katie, so if you are listening to this and you want to know more about this study, it's it's a we Katie intentionally does it in such a way that you can do it in a small group, or you can also do it as an individual. So mm -hmm. some people in our church will grab them. So we did, I said there's like 240 people in a small group, but then who knows, another 60 may do it individually. Um, if you're at Christ Church, you can find one of these. We can find you one. If you're someplace away, you know, we should consider putting these on the website. 
just the PDFs and people can download it if they want from even from previous years because you do a really great job and people really seem to get a lot out of them. Thank you. Um, so maybe you can look for the website. Well, we'll at a future podcast, we'll tell you if we've done that or not. Um, anything you want to say as we close, Katie? Oh, I say let's close in prayer. Okay. So let's pray. Eternal God, our maker and redeemer, as you once enriched the wedding at Cana when your son turned water into wine, so by his presence, now bring your joy to this day. May we drink deeply from your boundless love and know in our hearts the delights of your Holy Spirit. Let the love we celebrate be a sign of your eternal love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So join us next week when we deal with the issue of temptation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Christ Church Pops. Take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, hit like, and share with your friends. And please join us for worship in person or on YouTube or Facebook. And you can learn more about Christ Church at christ-church.net. This podcast is by Father Michael Hoffman and Reverend Katie Gillette and edited by Jake Wolstadter. Christ Church exists to show everyone God loves them unconditionally. So remember God loves you and have a blessed day.